don't just necessarily mean a, a snapshot at any given moment that is complete. When I talk about the whole life, I am talking about a life that is complete, a life that is in total sum what God intends for that life to be or not what God intends for that life to be. And so we begin looking at this whole life through the question of the scribe who has come to see Jesus. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing. Can you believe it? Before 2021, there were people arguing about things. Before 2021, there were differences in politics and theology and Jesus was a part of a time when there was a great deal of politics and theology that were regularly discussed. And he was a part of an argument, but the scribe, the scribe came near, and he asked, which commandment is first of all? Now, you have to understand the different theologies and philosophies and, and regard for Rome, for example. There were all sorts of different groups of people that had gotten together. You've got the Pharisees, and the Pharisees want to make sure that God's law is not broken. And not only should God's law not be broken, but you don't want to even come close to stepping across the line. And so the Pharisees put hedges around the law. The Sadducees were the elite of the day. The Sadducees and the Pharisees often argued about things. The Sadducees said, the stuff that you as Pharisees believe is just a bunch of hogwash. It's ridiculous. We are not superstitious, the Sadducees would have said. We don't believe in all the stuff the Pharisees believe in. Uh, you've got the Herodians. The Herodians believed that it would be easier to live under the life of King Herod and his descendants, and so therefore they wanted to do all that they could to keep Herod appeased, um, to keep Herod happy. They felt that uh, the Jewish people, at least particularly they, uh, would be better off if they had some kind of a link with King Herod. And then we have the scribes. Now, when we think about a scribe, we often think about writing, and at various points in history, the word scribe and scribal have been used to talk about those who copy texts, those who write texts. Well, in, in fact, there's a different understanding of scribe in this particular period in history. A scribe is someone who knows the scriptures well. It's an expert of kinds in the scriptures. The scribe who asked the question would be an expert in the law, maybe a minor kind of judge. He might have held some sort of office publicly. But he asks Jesus, after he comes and he sees, Jesus is, is holding his own against those who are disputing with him. And the scribe doesn't write him off as a whack job. The scribe doesn't write Jesus off as just another one of those uh, itinerant preachers who, who says whatever. The scribe listens. And that's one of the things we see in this text is two people who are listening to each other. The scribe likes the way Jesus is talking, and so he says, well, what's, what commandment is the greatest commandment of them all? That's the scribe's question. And our question is not necessarily all that different as we try to figure out who it is that 
we intend to be in the world. Our question is, what does it mean to live well? What does it mean to live life to the fullest? Some of us have years left. Some of us have decades left. What we don't know is that there may be some of us who have a far shorter time than we might imagine left in this world. But in whatever time we have left, the question is, what does it mean to live well, to live life to the fullest, to spend our years in the most godly and helpful way possible? Now, society says, talk, 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 talk. You got to discover who it is you want to be, who you want to align with, and you got to talk about it all the time. Declare to the world all the time who you are and what you stand for. It's interesting to me as a pastor, I am concerned about our spiritual life as a congregation, and I am concerned about your spiritual life as well, but people will come to me, and I always know when the first thing they say to me is, I'm a conservative, or I'm a liberal, I don't care. What I care about is, do you have a life-altering relationship with Jesus Christ? And I don't care what political party you are aligned with. I don't care how many degrees you have behind your name. I want to know if your life has been given to God. Talk, talk, talk. Society tells us we we have to decide who we are and never stop talking about it. The scriptures, I would suggest say that you become the real you. You become the real you by yielding to God's plan for your life. You are never more yourself than when you are loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You are never more yourself than when you are loving your neighbor in a way that that maybe doesn't come naturally. Jesus answers this question. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, all of it. But the second one, it's like two sides of a coin, heads or tails. You can't separate them. And if you do, you don't have a coin anymore. These two commandments, you can't separate them. If you separate them, you don't have a life with God anymore. Loving God and loving one another. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. Now this scribe, this scribe says to Jesus, you're right. I like to tell God that sometimes. You know, God, you're right. (laughs) The scribe says, you're right. You've said these things. I believe these same things that you do, and they're better than all all burnt offerings and, and all sacrifices. And then Jesus You see, here we have a real conversation between two people. We've got a scribe who might not like, who might not like itinerant preachers, especially those who believe in resurrection, might not like people that that are getting people stirred up in different ways, but the scribe listens to Jesus and says, oh, this is a person that we might not agree on everything, but he's worth listening to. And then Jesus sees that the scribe answers well. And Jesus says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any question. 
So we've got four different aspects here of the human heart. You've got the heart, which is the center and the source of our inner lives. The heart, we might call this the emotional center. We love God with our emotional energy, but let's face it, our emotional energy is not always a positive emotional energy. It might be rage. At which point we say to God, I am enraged. And there might be something that God would have us do with that rage, or we might recognize that it is an unholy anger that we're animated by. We love God with our emotional energy, but then we also allow God to transform every aspect of us. And so there are times when we say, you know, I am just angry. Oh God, I am angry. What do I need to do? And God takes that anger and he does something with it. He shows us things we didn't think of before, but it's in bringing that to God that God can then transform that. A friend of mine was telling me recently that he had to call the police on his neighbor. And then after that, he was talking about mowing his neighbor's yard. And I thought, wait a minute, are we talking about the same neighbor here? He said, yes. Just because I have a problem with my neighbor doesn't mean that I can't love my neighbor. Now, he's, he's better than I am in, in that respect. If I, if I call, my, I'll call the police on my neighbor, I probably will not be weed-eating their yard anytime soon. But the heart is the center of our inner lives, and, and we give this emotional state to God. We love God with this emotional state, and we let God transform that the soul one of the interesting things about the soul is the word used for soul um, in in ancient literature we also find that it's a name of a dog in uh, one of the one of the ancient pieces of writing that we have but the soul is what makes us alive it's it's that animating energy that is the difference between a living person and a corpse it is the principle of life that transcends the material and the physical. Or the, we, we love God with this breath that he has given to us and this, this, this thing that makes us alive. We present it to God. And not only do we present it to God, we let God use this life that he has given us for his glory. We have the intellectual life, the mind and with our minds, we reason, we think, we understand, we acknowledge others, we, we recognize what it is. We, we even stand outside of ourselves. We stand outside of ourselves because we can think about our thinking. I just love being human. We can think about what it is we're thinking about. And we can recognize sometimes, you know, I have this thought, but it is completely and totally irrational. I have no reason to believe this. Or we can suddenly think to ourselves, well, you know, maybe I ought to be thinking a little differently than I am. What we put in our minds is very important. I'm not a person who is, who is a legalist in, in many ways. I'm not going to tell you, you, know, you shouldn't read these books as a Christian or you shouldn't watch this series as, as, as a Christian. I, I don't know whether you should or not. You can answer that question by what it does to your mind. 
what it puts in your mind that goes around and around. The things that we, that we put in are the things that we ruminate on. The things that we ruminate on then become things that we act upon or that drive our emotions. And so the things that are positive and beneficial to our minds, why those are the things that we should, we should foster. And if you find things going in your mind that are causing you to draw more and more distant in your relationship with God, those are things that you should set aside. And frankly, some of those things are different for you and for me. There are things that, that you can see that don't bother you in the least. There are things that I can hear that put words in my mind that I don't want to have flowing around when I am going to bed at night. We present our intellectual pursuits to the Lord. And then there is our strength, our physicality, the power we have to do stuff, um, the ability to physically move and act. And we recognize our actions glorify God, and we present those actions to God, and God uses the strength that we have. And sometimes we are really, really strong, and sometimes we're less strong. I've cut my caloric intake in half since I have knee problems because I can't burn off any calories at this point. The calories that I'm burning off are few and far between as the snails and the tortoises race by me wherever it is that I'm going. But this physical life, this physical being that we have, we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and glorify Him. We have here in town... The Ephraim McDowell Medical Center. I didn't know much about Ephraim McDowell before moving to Danville. I don't know a whole lot about him now. But I do know that he had a deep faith and from a prayer that before he, before he performed the first successful surgery that he performed, he wrote this prayer out and he put it in his pocket. And as, as we look at this prayer, think about the way that Ephraim McDowell's heart, soul, mind, and strength, his, his emotions, his spiritual life, his intellectual life, and his physical actions. Think about how all of these come together in just an amazingly beautiful way for him to be the servant that he was. He wrote this, put it in his pocket during surgery. Almighty God be with me. I humbly beseech ye thee in, in this attendance in thy holy hour. Give me becoming awe of thy presence and grant me thy direction and aid. I beseech thee that in confessing I may be humble and truly penitent in prayer, serious and devout in praises, grateful and sincere and in hearing thy word, attentive and willing and desirous to be instructed. Direct me, O God, in performing this operation, for I am but an instrument in thy hands and am but thy servant. And if it is thy will, O spare this poor afflicted woman, O give me true faith in the atonement of thy Son, Jesus Christ, or a love sufficient to procure thy favor and blessing, that worshiping thee in spirit and truth, my services may be accepted through his all-sufficient 
merit. The love of God and the love of others, these two loves, they can't be separated. The second is this, Jesus says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. And then John goes to meddling just like Jesus does. When John says, those who say, I love God and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And so the question of the day is simply this. Do you want to live well? Whatever time you have left, whether that is days or weeks or or decades, do you want to live well? There's a question from our Methodist history. That's the question I often ask. It doesn't ask whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. It doesn't ask whether you've got a college degree or got a GED. It doesn't ask um, how you're feeling, even, even physically for the most part. It doesn't ask how many friends you have. The, the question is this, how is your soul? Now, John Wesley would have asked, how is it with thy soul? But when I ask that question, I'm not asking the question to be answered. Oh, it's pretty good. I did my devotions this morning. I'm not really asking, well, can it be better? I'm asking this this whole kind of life that Jesus puts out before us. How's your heart, your emotions? Are you angrier than you should be? Are you just waiting around to see how long it'll be until somebody notices that you're moping? What's your emotional life like? Maybe it's good, maybe it's not. But how's your heart? How is your spiritual life? Do you know that Christ is walking beside you? Do you know that the promises of God are, 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 are yours? We lost a wonderful church member yesterday in Roxy Bennett. Roxy and I were talking just a few days ago and she was referencing this scripture not knowing that I was preaching on it this morning. Roxy said, I know that's what we're to do, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But she said, that's what we do. But what comes from God is so amazing when he says, I will be with you always, even to the end. How's Roxy's spiritual life? Well, Roxy's spiritual life was just fine. And I hope that at most, at most times that when, when you and I need it the most, we'll be able to cling to the promises of Jesus. How's your mind? How is your intellectual life? Are you, are you putting in stuff that makes you a lover of God? Or are you eating the equivalent of spiritual Doritos? You know, a lot of calories makes you feel pretty good. Tastes pretty good, but in the end, doesn't do a whole lot for you. How's your strength, your physical well-being? A friend and I have done this. 
almost weekly for about 12 years now. We've asked each other these questions. Um, how is your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And uh, you know, my physical well-being. He, he's one of these CrossFit guys. I don't know why. You know, if I wanted to pick up a tractor tire, I'd be putting him on a tractor. It wouldn't, wouldn't be something out there for fun. But how, how can we be better versions of ourselves physically? And what, what do we need to do to to complete this picture. So the, the question, how's your soul, has an answer. And the answer is, by God's grace, not by our own strength or decisiveness, not by our right thinking, not by our ability to, to grasp what God is doing, but by God's grace, it is possible that you and I can live well, that we might have hearts, souls, minds, and strengths attuned to him, so that being attuned to him, when we turn to the world, the world will see his life and his light and his grace in us. How is your soul? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.